Welcome to Body Perception One Day at a Time workshop meeting. My name is Eddie. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi, Hi everyone. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. Uh, also, this session is being taped. All participants are required to sign the release form. Uh, to protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. Uh, also, an Ask It basket will be circulated from the question and answer portion of this session. So please make sure the Ask It basket keeps going around. If there is any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. Okay, uh, workshop. The format of this session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions and answers. An Ask It basket will be passed around. P please place your questions in the box for our panelists. The topic for the session is body perception one day at a time. Our first speaker is Beth. Uh, our second speaker is Courtney and our third speaker is Holly. And without further ado, we'll get started with Beth. Good morning, everyone. I'm Beth. I'm a compulsive overeater and anorexic. Hello. Thank you for being here. Um, so to qualify, I have been in program something like 10 or 11 years. Um, when I was in the food, I couldn't keep track of anything, so it's hazy. Um, my current abstinence is about four and a half years now because I had to experiment with relapse several times before I really got step three. Uh, and that for me was very necessary and hopefully not necessary for everyone. Um, it's interesting how uh, the disease manifested in my mind leading up to this, that um, this is a topic, this body perception, body image, um, that I have dedicated so many waking hours to studying and experimenting with and practicing and learning about and trying different things and never taking my attention off of it. And my disease can still say, you have nothing to say. You have nothing to share. You don't know what you're talking about. It's like, wow, that, um, that tells me how the disease is, is just pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. Um, so 
I was thinking about what it was like around the body perception stuff and, and, uh, there's plenty of material, but, um, one of the things I remembered is, um, so I made this one friend in college. She is the only friend that stuck with me through all of my years of heavy disease acting out. One friend made it. Everyone else is from when I was in recovery and after and my family, cause they couldn't really get rid of me. But, um, the, uh, this one friend told me, um, we were just hanging out one night and she was like, you look really thin. And I said, thank you. And I was almost like posing for a picture and the look on her face didn't match how happy I felt that she had said that. And I remembered, but you know, it's, I didn't have that much attention on her to think about what she actually meant. And she told me after I got in recovery and, and started identifying as anorexic, she was like, sweetie, I didn't mean that as a compliment. <laughs> and it never occurred to me that she was actually concerned about what I was doing with my body. It did not cross my mind. And of course, my first impression um, was also like, Thank you, and I have a lot to go. Don't worry, I'll get there. You know, don't give up on me. I'll, I have more pounds to lose because that's really what she was concerned about in the friendship. Um, but I just, I didn't have attention for much outside of what was happening with this body, and uh, so that was, yeah, part of what it was like um, to qualify. Also. I don't actually know how much weight I've lost or gained in program. I'm not a century person. Um, it seems like the range is around 20 to 25 pounds. I don't know, though, because I don't weigh myself. Um, I get blind weight by nutritionist or when I go to the doctor. And um, I have just found that no good ever comes of me knowing that number. It has never been like, yes, I am at the weight I think I should be. Never once. Um, so I turned that over today. Uh, something else I thought of about what the body perception was like was that um, I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Marin now, but I lived in San Francisco most of the time. And I probably lived in... 20 different places in San Francisco, and in not one of those did I leave a mirror uncovered. Um, bathroom from here up so I could see if I had stuff in my teeth was about it. Um, but uh, one of my sponsors, I was maybe three years into program or something, you know, enough to feel like I knew everything. And, um, <laughs> and a sponsor said, I suggest you talk nicely to yourself in the mirror each day. I could not do it. I couldn't. I mean, I wish there was a more emphatic way to just say I couldn't. It was similar to when program people started recommending meditation. Like, just sit there and breathe for five minutes. I couldn't do it. It was... The, the hatred was so constant and just incessant that to point my eyeballs at these other eyeballs in the mirror, it was too painful. I couldn't handle it. And 
I know I'm a strong person. I'm a risk taker. Like I have all these parts of my identity and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. And she so worked with me to try to get it manageable. She was like, okay, 30 seconds. Can you do 30 seconds? And I couldn't, um, Whew, it was like I, I have a little sweat breaking out thinking about how hard it was at the time. Um, just, yeah, so much, so much hatred for this creature. Um, okay. I, uh, when I asked higher power, um, one of my, <laughs> I had this also worry about sharing, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to talk too fast. Or no, I might talk too slow. <laughs> and, um, and my higher power said, just feel your feelings when they come up. And uh, I'm, really, I'm really feeling the, the depths of um, how bad it was. Um, another thing of what it was like is one of my last ditch efforts before I started working program and started going in the direction of trying to turn it over and coming to believe is um, I got this idea that I was going to be like a gardener with the mean body thoughts and I was going to weed out the ones that I didn't like. So um, <laughs> I had a I had the idea. I remember I was in Union Square, which is a really super busy part of San Francisco. So it's like, okay, it's me and all these other human beings around, but I don't know any of them. So it was kind of a cool experiment. And what I was going to do is I was going to time it for two minutes, and every negative thought I had about my body image, I was going to write it down and see what it was like and have like a scientific log and then be able to fix the problem. And until I did that, I realize now that was kind of like one of my first inventories, but I didn't make it 30 seconds. I realized that I wasn't thinking about anything other than how ugly I looked. Um, my clothes weren't right. I was way too big. Um, other people looked a lot better. Other people had smaller stomachs. Like, And it was... That was very, very overwhelming, trying to do that on my own and trying to um, hold, like, the high-voltage hatred. Um, uh, dancing was in my background, too. I've heard that from other people in the room sometimes. Um, I started ballet when I was two and a half, and there was um, just something about... Um, that that perfectionism of the disease really found a good way to flourish, um, like mold in a shower. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So what happened? Well, I really came into program because I thought my main problem was binging. But what the binges were always seeming to stem from, other than just being a compulsive overeater, is trying to control how my body looked. So I would starve, starve, starve until I couldn't take it anymore. And um, I, my ideal meal when I came into program was half a power bar and a piece of fruit. And if I couldn't keep it to that, I totally felt like a failure. And 
the the irrational thinking of the disease is I could even look at food and feel like I was gaining weight, and that seemed like a huge problem. And um, so there was a lot of fear wrapped around it, so I would eat as little as I could until it was like a dam would burst and it was on. Because I don't seem to have a full response. Like the people who push away a dessert and go, oh, it's so rich. I just can't do it. Thank you. Aliens to me. Aliens. I've never had that feeling of I couldn't finish this. Um, So my very first sponsor in program had me write out the phrase, the weight loss or gain is none of my business. And I thought she was freaking crazy. That there, there was no part of me that thought that was a good idea. But I had, you know, so almost died in the disease enough times that there was some micro part of me that went, okay, I guess I can't fix it. I need to try something else, even though this is ludicrous. Um, and it was literally like, if any of you watch the Simpsons, like Bart Simpson writes on the blackboard over and over and over again, when he's been bad, that I wrote out the weight loss or gain is none of my business. She'd be like, write it 50 times, write it a hundred times. And I thought she was sadistic and just like punishing me, but eventually it totally helped because it's truly not like the world that my higher power has put me in, and I, I love that saying that God doesn't make junk, including me, um, is definitely world beyond my wildest dreams. And it, my weight is, is so not a part of what matters for my life purpose. And this, you know, precious short life, weight is not, it's not an answer. It's not a higher power. It's... Um, definitely my higher power wants me to be healthy, but the disease has one exact pinpoint of weight, one perfect weight. And it might have like 10 decimal points after the measurement. And I will never get there. It's probably a number that doesn't even exist with the disease with my higher power. And sometimes my higher power speaks through a medical professional, a nutritionist. There's like, we talk about a healthy range. Are you within a healthy range? It's not like that exact perfect moment where I'll get to perfect body nirvana and never have another problem again. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) this one's a little embarrassing. That's the feeling I'm having. (laughs) I saw a nutritionist for four years and It took me two years to tell her that I hated having to go see her. (laughs) And then after four years, I finally got to the real question, which was um, like a lot of my body hatred stuff focuses on the size of my belly. I know for some people it's their legs, their butt, their arms, whatever. For me, it's the belly. It's so the belly. And in an ideal world, my disease would have my belly look and feel like this. You know, that would be my face to the world is just like nothing can touch me, super solid, rock hard abs, stuff like that. And that's really not my business. Um, and I can't really indulge in the magazines anymore that talk that way. Outside issue, but that's not a tool of the program for me. 
Um, so finally, after four years, I asked this nutritionist, why do I have to have a belly? And, she, you know, she, understandably, she um, had a moment of pause, like trying to figure out exactly what I meant. I'm like, no, seriously. Like I, and, you know, I kind of pointed to the wall and I was like, why can't it be like this? Because that was like the lifelong craving. And she rolled with it really well. And... Um, was able to just, almost like she was talking to a child. It was so gentle and wonderful, and I'm so grateful for this experience because I still have to refer back to it when I get triggered and the disease, um, the food thoughts don't come up for me first anymore, the body image thoughts. Like today in recovery, when it starts to seem like my body is a problem, I know I have another problem. But she said, well, we have organs, and they're soft, and they need a carrying container that has some cushioning. I was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Like, I never thought, like, oh, it's a good thing that I have some belly. And um, and my inner child, like, has this thing that she says where she'll be like, ladies have bellies. <laughs> so sometimes... Um, when I wake up in the morning and the disease tries to get in faster than my higher power can get in, sometimes I'll look down and I see the belly there, and that's when she'll say, ladies have bellies. <laughs> and um, it's really sweet, and I appreciate it. And that that helps kind of nip those things in the bud because the size of my body is never, ever the actual problem. Um so that's a little bit of what it's like now. Like, um, I really struggled with feeling like I could do affirmations at first and not feel like I was lying or, or being disingenuous. Because um, part of where my disease took me was a lot of fakery, a lot of looking on the outside like things were fine and I had it together and so much secret shame and self-hatred. And affirmations felt like, if I'm saying I love my body and I don't, aren't I going back into that place? But um, if I can practice negative disease thoughts, I can just as easily practice positive body loving thoughts that, you know, in the, in the world of my higher power, positive and negative are similar. We just want to look at what effect does it have on me? Is it helpful? Um, you know, there's that, that program saying is what you're about to say kind, necessary and true. And I find that talking really negatively to myself about my body and getting into compare and despair and feeling like, I'm somehow less than because my body doesn't look exactly the way my mind thinks it should. Um, that's actually, it's, it's lacking humility because I'm not that much worse. Thank you so much. I love it that our timer's a knitter. I love that. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, so uh, some of the affirmations, I have to keep them pretty simple because if they get too elaborate, then I get away from the feeling of it, you know, because I could write a narrative, but then it would be like 
kind of someone else doing it for me. So um, some affirmations would just be like, I love this body the way she is. Um, Sometimes it helps me actually to almost talk about the body in a third person way. That reminds me that my essential self is not entirely tied to this body um, because I do feel like there's a soul that's being carried around in this case. Um, sometimes it helps me too to just really get grateful in a granular way. Like, wow, my legs work. I walked here today. Not everybody has that capability. These eyeballs just open and they're looking at you and they're seeing all these different colors. And that is so miraculous. And I miss that miracle when I'm focused on what I'm thinking is wrong with me or lacking or how I need to live a little bit into the future of how I'll feel better when I do 100 crunches or whatever. Crunches aren't really my business anymore either. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was talking to a newcomer on the way here, and that was so super helpful. And, um, you know, she's at that beautiful, gorgeous point where she knows that her way isn't going to work, and yet the higher power way and the step two and the step three hasn't fully taken hold yet. And, you know, she would instantly talk about the lifetime of recovery that she wants. And, um, gosh, you know, we talked about like just having a God box, having 24 hours worth of grace. Like my higher power doesn't give me all the grace and I don't have a grace binge, where I have to then dole it out like a squirrel saving up nuts for the winter. I get 24 hours worth to feel like this body's okay, this mind is okay, like I'm all right to be with you guys, you're all right to be with me, stuff like that. And I'm super, super grateful. And I love it that um, I was just wanting to watch the time here myself and a sponsee just texted me and <laughs> how are you doing? And, um, the knitter says stop. So I will thank you very much for being here and uh, keep coming back. Thank you, Beth. Uh, our second speaker is Courtney. I'm Courtney. I'm covering compulsive overeater. Um, and I just want to say this whole body image issue makes me sick. Sick, sick, sick. I'm sick of it. Thinking about it, fussing over it, obsessing over it. Ugh. But it's reality for us, isn't it? Um, and I was feeling when I was up here, oh no, you know, I'm a girl. There's men in the audience. I don't know what issues they have with body image. I don't know their experience, but I know mine. And so, um, you know, I welcome hearing what's up with guys and body image and fat. Um, I will share this that my sponsor said to me, you know, in OA, this is different than AA. They have one obsession to drink. Well, we've got three primary ones, two secondary ones. The primary ones we have are obsessions with eating, Food, body image. 
Secondary ones, health, exercise, nutrition. Because we think the secondary ones, if I control those, those will control the, t- the first ones. Oh, where did she get so smart? But I, I needed someone like her. I mean, she was like the ultimate power sponsor. Oh, wait, she had opened up a Eating Recovery's home in Southern Cal, and I desperately needed someone that deep because I can't do bumper sticker answers. I can't. I just, uh, they don't cut it for me. I can't. See, being overweight, if you've been overweight like I have, and all up and down and up and down, it has served me. And you got to look at that. How has it kept me safe? And I will tell you the story. It's really true. I was 215 or something, and some guy was hitting on me. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, boom, 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 boom. I mean, I'm not a little girl. Do you know what I mean? And I'm a boom, boom, boom. And this guy's hitting on me, and I blurted out unconsciously, what is wrong with you? Can't you see I'm fat? You know, and he, and, and he just kind of looked at me and went, well, geez, you know, we don't all like skinny women. But it served me. So for me to have this crazy mental obsession with being thin, being thin, being thin, being thin, right? What did I come in here for to lose weight? Oh, my God, I've got to lose weight. Oh, my God, I've got to lose weight. And so all of this obsession with eating and food and body image issues with the exercise, health, and nutrition never worked for me. I could do it when I first started because I was caught up in all the excitement of it, and that's pretty common. This isn't supposed to be a dieting club, diet calories club. Uh, Well, yeah, right. Who we kidding? What do I want? What's the food plan? Give me the food plan. Give me the food plan. What do you eat? What do you eat? What do you eat? So I got this wonderful sponsor. Her name is uh, Becky. And uh, I only would lose like seven pounds a month which was horrifying to me, horrifying. Because, and I'd call her and I'd say, you know what, when I was 20, <laughs> now even when I was 28, I could lose 18 pounds in a month. What's up with the seven pounds a month? This is awful. This sucks, you know. What do you think I'm coming here for and going to all those stupid meetings? And, and she'd say, I'm not here to help you lose weight. I'm here to help you arrest a disease. And then she said, you just stay abstinent and the right body will show up. What is she, nuts? (laughs) Well, who gets to determine that? God? Well, I don't know. So it just kept pulling up, pulling up all my self-will issues, my issues. I have been one who's been mocked and teased and humiliated because of my size and shape throughout my life in the gym, on the street, by men who felt they could just say nasty, cruel things. And um, I remember one time I was at a meeting and I said, the thing is what I like about being fat, and that's stuff you got to look at. I really, What I really liked about being fat, no one expected much of me in a very sad way. I went to college, but no one expected much of me. I'm fat. And, and at least I could have girlfriends. At least no one would be threatened by me. So those are the benefits that I got. And it was so sweet, I'll never forget when I said that. And again, a lot of this I just blurted out. I wasn't even aware of it all. But as you come in and listen and open, the wounds start coming up and out. Oh, ouch, ooh, ow, ooh. And I said, well, the thing is, if I stay fat, I won't get hit on. 
And at least you'll have friends. And then this normal-sized woman, as I call her, normal-sized woman, said, I'll be your friend. Said, you'll be my friend if I get scrawny and gorgeous. Yeah. And then it goes back to, here's the thing about, oh, God. Do we not have enough shit from the world? Sorry. About what we ought to look like. And I had to do inventory, and it really helped to say, where did I get these ideas that I had to be thin no matter what? Where did I get these ideas? And what does it mean to me? What is the obsession about, truly? Because so much of this in my head, the obsession is symptom. It's not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. It's a symptom of me denying, running. And the thing I liked about, I would, too, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, because it gave me something to do. <laughs> and it gave me something to feel like, oh, my God, I'm really doing something fabulous. Today I'm going to do 50 this. I'm going to run this. I'm going to do that. And I really, really hurt myself by doing that. That's what the steps are for, you guys. Oh, my God, the steps, the steps. Uh, not a diet and calories club. Yeah, okay, well, you seem to be obsessed with what I'm eating. So who are you kidding? But then I had wonderful sponsors that were really more concerned about my steps and working the steps. She said, I'm here not to help you lose weight. I'm not here to help you lose weight. I'm here to help you arrest an illness that's killing you. And about your, you're going to get free from step two, one step two, two. I love step two. I do it a lot. Bring me back to sanity, God, because I am obsessed about fill in the blank. And I can't free myself to be freed of the need to be overweight. Because for me, it was a boundary. It was my way of saying, back off, world. I'm not ready. Just back off. And the isolation, oh, my God, please. The distrust, it was a, it was a boundary. And it served me. So to be able to say thank you, it served me well. It served me well. I didn't go out. I didn't date. I didn't try. I didn't risk. Kept me safe. And so I was okay with my food and my books and my movies and my cat and my garden. Do you know what I mean in my work? It kept, it was that intimacy thing, come close, stay away. But I got to control all of that. And then the, and so before I came into OA, and this is so typical of us, oh God, if only. My life was full of if onlys. If only I were thin, I would fill in the blank. That's another obsession about all of this. If only I had smaller feet, because I'm size 11. I mean, I'm a big girl. I was broad, big, extra large hands. I'm big in my head. If only I could be a spinner. Do you know what a spinner is? Little tiny girl sits on the top and you can spin her around. <laughs> Yeah, I always thought, oh, well, that's the, that's the ultimate of femininity. I want to be a spinner. Oh, and then, you know what? Some guy could pick me up and not drop me. I always thought that was so romantic, you know, get swept away, uh, thrown over someone's shoulder and thrown on the bed. Well, one guy tried to pick me up, and that didn't go so good. I'm serious to that, add that to my humiliation of being overweight. And I knew he couldn't, and I was scared to death, but I'm like, well, it's my... When, if only, so living a fantasy. So then instead of coming into OA, then it seemed like it wouldn't be if only, it would be when. 
See, so, so I went from, oh, if only, blah, blah, blah. But then coming into OA, there felt like there was a chance of hitting that goal. So then in my head, it would be, well, when I get to goal weight, when I get to goal weight, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. When I get to goal weight, my life is going to be exciting and glamorous and, and fun. And it wasn't. Damn. That was the biggest disappointment of all, I'm telling you. I kept waiting. I was being good. Weighing and measuring the food. Topping off the this. Well, here I am, scrawny and gorgeous, and nothing's changing. And I felt deprived. A dep- deprivation, because I used food as my reward. And here I am, depriving myself for the ultimate goal of being thin. And nothing changed. Of course, I hadn't changed. The way I felt and saw the world hadn't changed. I was still waiting for someone out there or something out there to make me feel different. So I said, well, screw this. I'm not doing this. What am I doing this for anyway? I'm not getting my excitement and love. So here's what helped. I got to write about If all this is true, that you're not here to help me lose weight, I need to be freed of these obsessions, I got to ask, I'll tell you, my biggest hint, if you will, about being free from all of this is step 11, step 11, step 11. I'd go home and I'd say, God, I don't understand. Show me something about this body image stuff. There was a woman in OA, 400 pounds. She got down to 200. You know what she did? She took up scuba diving. 200 pounds. I was so proud of that girl. I said, but don't you have to get in a suit? You know, you got to... This isn't, you know, we're not talking uh, Spanx. They're worse than Spanx. She said, I was tired of waiting until... Oh, I love that woman. I'm going to live my life as though... I thought, wow... What would my life be like if I did that? Start filling up the holes. So what really, truly helped me and I was to start doing inventory. And it fun. And I'm like, what's wrong? I don't know why. I don't know why this obsession with... And it came out. I was shocked. Here's what I wrote. Because to me... Oh, and, and, and it really helped you. I just asked myself the question, where did I get these stupid ideas about being thin? Where did I get these ideas? And then I thought about, well, what, you know, to go ask during inventory, what was your mom's issues with body image? What did you learn from your mom about body image? Ugh. That you must be thin at all costs if you're a girl. What did my dad say? Men will never marry you if you're fat. You will never be loved. Never. And I have to tell you, part of the fat discrimination, uh, we were interviewing a gal, brilliant on the phone, brilliant, brilliant, couldn't wait to meet her. And she was over 300 pounds when she came in. So I got her a chair that I knew she could sit in, and I knew in my heart it was done. She wasn't going to get the job. Didn't matter how qualified she was, they weren't going to wasn't going to happen. And sure enough, when it was over, brilliant, funny, I loved her. The hiring manager said, uh, uh, and I knew worries. So I'm very, very aware of, is there discrimination in this culture? Oh, yeah. 
Do you know that in other cultures, though, it's different? When I was in Italy, and I was much bigger now, they think I'm the cat's meow. And I'm like, who are they talking to? Look at me, I'm fat. And then we went to Milan, and they were all skinny as a coat rack, and they all wore black, the women, long hair and white lipstick or something. Nude, I think it was called nude color. And I thought, holy crap, this really is cultural. And then there's some others. We like big butts and cannot lie. They don't like skinny butts. I had that guy tell me, I don't like skinny butts. I was a size 2-4. And he said, you're too skinny for me. Oh, I was done. I am so done with you people. I'm too fat for you. I'm too skinny for you. And how wonderful, because I went, what am I doing? I'm going to go up and down depending on what you think and what you think and what you find acceptable and what you... Where do I get a vote in any of this? And who gets the vote? Me, my sponsor, my parents, my boyfriend. So for me, I started out with inventorying all the stuff I had learned about thin and fat. And do you know what? I couldn't even say the word fat. It freaked me out. Couldn't say it. Scared me. It scared me. But I did. I started writing down all the stuff that I had been taught in, at the home and in the church, which was the beauty and duty of a woman. God forbid. We had to be beautiful and dutiful. And, of course, our lives evolved around him. You didn't want him disappointed in you. It was my job to keep him faithful. Really? And if I didn't look good, that was my fault. I couldn't blame him for cheating. All this stuff can't be too thin, can't be too thin. So here's what I realized. Oh, my God, that all put, relieve me of this body image obsession. Tell me your thoughts. Show me your thoughts, God. But it does, for me, it does stem from childhood, from my parents and the, and the church and the world, all this media that, it told me that as a woman, my only value is how I look. Let's face it. Don't you remember that wonderful Marilyn Monroe thing? Well, don't you know a woman being beautiful is like a man being rich? We all know that's a trade-off, don't we? And as a woman, I can remember my dad, God bless him, saying, listen, honey, and I, I went to college because I wanted to. You know what he said? You don't need to go to college. Just get married. Men don't like smart women. Men don't like successful women. And when I left my first marriage, I went out, I'll never forget, in the garage, and I said, what do I do now? And you know what he said? Get another husband. <laughs> Men don't like successful or smart. So again, in my head, all this crap that I grew up with. Were, so start inventorying. What is it you were taught? What is it you believed? I didn't like it. I didn't like a lot of it, trust me, because I use part of my fat as my way of saying, screw you, and as a way of testing and saying, well, you love me now because I'm a little ornament on your hood, but would you, are you going to love me if I get fat? And a lot of times the answer was no, out of here. So the conclusion is what I came up with was this, oh, my God. All this focus on women as beauty objects, the duty and beauty that my value is in looks because it meant to me status. Three things, social status, security, and love. It meant social status. We all know where I grew up, uh, 
the ultimate goal for a woman was to be an executive wife. And we all know that means thin and gracious and submissive. And security, it meant security that if I went for a job interview, it wouldn't be, I'm too big. I wouldn't get X'd out. It meant financial security. And most important, it meant if I was thin, I'd have a chance to be loved. Isn't that pathetic? I would have a chance to be loved because I'm not, I'm not worthy. Well, that's not what I was taught. I, we weren't. So the, the kindness that comes from coming to meetings and becoming a part of, no one has ever said to me, coming in, you're too fat, we don't want you into a meeting, ever. And believe me, you guys have seen me every size, every weight, up and down, right? Come on in. So some of the things, again, inventory, inventory, inventory. And then to be released from all this craziness, some of the things that have really helped me is this. As I would say to God, what is your sane and sound ideal? What is your, because it talks about we have to come up with a new sane and sound ideal for all of this if we're going to be healed from it for good. So we won't be going on and off, on and off, on and off, right? What's going to change about that? And for me, it really was, you know, I do remember God seemed to love me when I was at 215 pounds. He really didn't seem to be angry or upset. I'm acceptable to God at any weight. And I seem to be acceptable to people in OA. I can go to any meeting at any weight and be accepted. Isn't that what we're screaming for? And, and this obsession with body images because I thought I wouldn't be. And the fact of it is, you're not in some cases. That's just a fact. But in here you are. So, um, oh, I want to read you something that I wrote. Because this is important and I'm going to be done, I think. It's called Listen to My Body. All of those years of stuffing, starving, shaming, scolding, shutting you up, shutting you down, disregarding your cries, trying to cut myself off from having to deal with you, believing the physical didn't matter. I was taught avoiding my body with spiritual sins of the flesh and all. You humiliated me with public teasings for your size and shape. I have taken better, car, better care of my car, though, than I have of you. I didn't even want a body, nothing right about it. And yet you've never left me. You took the blows. You stayed. You tried to talk to me, warn me, yell at me before you started to break down, but I didn't listen. But my relationship with you mirrored my relationship to my mother, men, society, and church. The shaming and scolding, denying and disregarding, somehow unacceptable. Funny, for someone so afraid of abandonment, I never considered that you had stayed all the while trying to talk to me trying to get me to connect. I am forever sorry and forever grateful for your loyalty. You were the vehicle my soul will be driven around in for a while. And you like to be cuddled and carried and comforted. And you like lavender lotions and gentle winds, warm sand. What else do you like? I am listening. You are worth listening to today. Today I listen to my body because every body needs a good listening to. Thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Courtney. Can someone show me where the ask it basket is? Great. Can we keep that circulating, please? Uh, and our third and final speaker for our workshop is Holly.
Hi, I'm Holly, Compulsible Reader. Hi, Hi, everyone. So happy to be here. Um, Thanks, everybody, for coming. I have never spoken on body perception. And I'm a 100-pounder, and I'm usually asked to speak on a 100-pounder panel or whatever. Um, And I... When Nancy called me and asked me and started reading me the choices, that was one of the first ones that she said. And guess what I'm working on now with my sponsor? Is, is, you know, as, and I'll tell you about my story, but as, as uh, time goes on in the program, different things pop up. And unexpected, it's just a, it's a matter of how I grow. And um, we, we, were, we have been talking a lot about different parts of me, so with my sponsor. So when Nancy asked me about that, and I said, that's the one, even though I'm just, like, I don't even know what to say at this point, but that was the one I picked because it's, it's just what's up for me today. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I pass my pictures around. We usually do that. I'm from the San Fernando Valley, and um, to qualify, I've got abstinence, um, 11 and two-thirds years abstinent, and I'm 140 pounds down from my top weight. Um, Thank you. Um, Really importantly is what it used to be like or what it was like. Um, I I, I grew up back east, and I grew up, as you see, my pictures are important because you can see from very, very young, I was really, really overweight. Um, not just a little. I was really overweight from size. The, the, first, the first time I realized that, or the first time I had a memory of um, acting differently or eating more than everybody else or wanting food all the time was at four. I, re- I have a vivid memory of at four, and then, you know, right on up the line. Um, and there's a picture in there on my, my first communion is first grade, and um, another first grade picture. And I just, I really stuck out. I really stuck out in the world, um, and, I, and I was always like that. So I guess part of my story is that I, was never, I, was, I wasn't someone that dieted up and down more than, more than 40 pounds. I, used to, I lived my life basically until age 46 at 280 pounds. I would diet my way down to 240, and I would go right back up to 280. I'd get uncomfortable. 280 was my weight when I, I started to feel physically uncomfortable. Um, things started to hurt a little. Lo- of course, I was younger. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> I was younger at that time. But, you know, I would get physically really uncomfortable, and I would decide on something. I would think something was a good idea. It never was one of those things that costed anything. It was a magazine diet or a book diet. And I'd go on some diet, and I'd diet my way down to 240, and I felt better, and I would just stop. I just had no, I had no perception of what it was like to be a healthy body weight because all of my life I had been basically double, double a healthy body weight. Let's put it that way. I'm, I was actually double my size. I'm 140 pounds right now. So it, I don't even believe that, by the way, that I lived my life at two of me. You know, I don't even, I can't even tell you what that feels like or in my mind what I think about. But right now, for today, I feel like myself. And that took, what that took is um, working working with a sponsor all the time. And, And my first, 
My first three or four sponsors were 100-pounders. I, I picked a 100-pounder. I knew to do that. I was told to do that. I knew I knew, needed to do that. I needed help. And then after that, did, after that, it didn't matter so much, but after, I've always worked with a sponsor. And um, the key to everything, the key to living my life today with a quiet head and a, and a sane and healthy mind and a lot of peace in my heart and, and recognizing the love that's inside already is working the steps. The steps are really what helped me. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't even know what I was doing. But working the steps many times through, always consistently and always with a sponsor, and passing those same steps along to sponsees is what really um, helped me get into my body today and my mind today and how I live my life today. It totally changed everything. But first what I had to do is walk into the rooms. That's, that was the first thing. I needed to get back here. I, was here, I, was, I came into program in um, 1993. I stayed about a year and a half or two years um, because I couldn't stop eating. I, could, I was eating all the time. I came in, and then I left because I wasn't working with anybody. I, I stayed about two years. I visited the rooms. It was great. I did a lot of drive-by OA. I, did, <laughs> I, I, I didn't talk to many people. I sat. I listened. I got it. You know, I understood what you guys were doing, but it, I didn't have there, – there was no connection in here. I just didn't by, – by not working with a sponsor or not – I would ask a lot of people, but I would never call them, and that's not helpful, as you know. <laughs> Um, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have the key to staying is what I didn't have the key to staying stopped. So I would just, I just left for another eight years. I did another eight years. And then I came back when I was, um, 46. So August of 2002, um, in the summer, something happened, uh, many things happened, which were all life things. Um, nothing, it wasn't, I didn't think to myself, oh, I'm really overweight. I have to go back to OA and lose weight. That wasn't a thought in the world. I felt awful, okay? I just felt mentally awful, and I didn't know what else to do. And I knew that I didn't go give OA a, cho- a chance before. I just knew it, and I thought, the very, the very least I can do is walk back in the rooms. And maybe if I wrote, maybe if I got a sponsor and worked these steps that people talk about, um, I would feel differently. The, the weight was so far gone by that time, it wasn't, an, it wasn't even a thought in my mind. I had the perception that I would never be at a healthy body weight. Um, the way I live my life, being that big all the way through, you, you know the daggers that are thrown from the world, and I really caught it. I really caught it all the way through high school. I, I, didn't, I was poor on top of everything. I was poor, and I didn't have nice clothes. So um, I got teased all the time. I didn't even like walking toward people because they would just fire out stuff. I, you know, this is how, how where I grew up, where, how it was. So I really tried to live my life feeling, I tried not feeling invisible. I wanted to be invisible. Okay, I didn't, wanna, I didn't want anybody to even see me at that point. So living my life that way, the weight was not an issue anymore. It was how bad I felt in my head, how bad I felt inside. And um, I, the speaker last night really hit it with a, with a description of how it, was like, how it was, and I felt like that a lot of times, and I really related to him a lot. Um, so what happened was I 
came back into program because I felt bad. And I was the same I wasn't any heavier. I was the same weight, um, generally about 280 pounds. And I started working with a sponsor. She um, had me start writing, and I did it. I started calling her at 6 in the morning every morning, and she gave me writing assignments, and I did them. And I called her every morning. I told her what I was going to eat. It's three big meals a day. My abstinence is three meals a day and no sugar. That works for me. Um, so I was calling in three big meals a day. Never, never said a word. It's fine. No sugar. I did that for about a month, and I realized um, it took me a month to clear in my head, and it took me a month to realize how much, what I was telling her, how much I was eating um, in those three meals. And I finally asked her for help on my food plan. And, um, of course, she, she loved that. Um, she was really nice. Anyway, she helped me on my food plan. She was a 100-pounder on her way down. So we created a food plan that worked for me, and I started slowly, slowly but steadily losing the weight. And all the time, though, the way I was able to keep doing that is I was working the steps. I got through, with her, I got through step, I got through my fifth step with that first sponsor. And I was, by that time, about two and a half years later, I was very much at a normal, it wasn't healthy yet, but I was at a normal body weight. I was walking around, and I'm, I didn't stick out like a sore thumb to myself anymore. I looked fairly in the world normal. Didn't feel normal up here yet. That took a while to catch up, um, and that's the stuff I'm working on today. So what happened was, I'm, as I was losing weight, now remember I'd always been, and I, it, I, I felt like I was a cinder block. I felt like I was very square with two little stick legs and like another square block head. That's actually what I felt like for years and years and years. So there was no fashion going. Of course, there's no fashion going on now. Did you get that? But there, <laughs> there's, there was no fashion going on. I, could, I, I really didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to dress. Um, but my first boss, that I, when I moved to California, I had to be I was a cook, by the way, first, but um, when I moved here, I went into an office job, and, and she wanted us to dress, and I just had, I was blank. I did, she had to take me shopping, and her solution to my weight, which she didn't like either, by the way, um, her solution to that was, if it fits, buy it. You know, and I had the, the most ugly, <laughs> they were ugly, I'm sorry. These blouses that I was buying, they were not me, and they were darn ugly, but they they were businesslike and they fit, and that was her solution. And so I got you know that's that's what I, the feedback I was getting. But anyway, moving forward, um, as I got down into a little bit lower in the numbers, like I got down below two hundred, and I noticed my body changing, and it literally freaked me out. Number one, if you can imagine, I'm I, if when I walked by a mirror. That's what I, it would startle me. Because, you know, at some point, if you've ever lost a lot of weight, your face changes too. Who knew that? I mean, <laughs> I would walk by a mirror and it would startle me that it was me. I looked completely different. And it was really, um, and on top of being, you know, on top of being uncomfortable with all this, I wasn't comfortable for a long time. On top of being uncomfortable with it, my, the, the perception of myself was uncomfortable, so I would scare myself in the mirror. And then as I was losing the weight, 
my body started making noise, and it, that freaked me out too. Like as I'm moving, I wasn't all puffed out anymore. So things started feeling different. So it, all this is happening all at the same time. I'm kind of I have I'm having to buy a lot of new clothes. I had to take I found out very quickly to take people with me because the the when I I have a picture in there when I went to Hawaii it's a, a nice vacation for the first time in abstinence. Um, I went to Hawaii and I needed a bathing suit and I was down. I was down below Lane Bryant because, you know, that's where I shopped. Lane Bryant and Catherine's, I knew to walk in there to get anything I needed. That's where I shopped. That's where my clothes were. But um, the first time I had to get a bathing suit at a fairly normal weight, I just, you know, I didn't take anybody with me. Don't ever do that. (laughs) It's not a good idea. I went into a department store. I literally didn't know where to go. I'm, I'm walking around like, what department am I in? I didn't even, you know, thank you. That's what sponsors are for. <laughs> You're supposed to ask for help or ask a fellow. Like, I hung out with a lot of people, but for some reason, I didn't uh, take anybody with me that time. And I never did that again, by the way. Now I can go shopping by myself, but oh, my gosh. Actually, I really like to take someone with me still. I take my friend Michelle because I'll put clothes on, and she'll say, that's size too big. Okay, I have to, I'm still not there. I don't quite know that I'm an, I'm an eight or a six. And I'll pick up a 10 and go try it on and it feels good, you know. So it takes, it takes what it takes to, for me to get into reality with my body, you know. And the different things that have happened in my life, um, you know, the, the steps are so phenomenal. What they taught me was, that I am no longer responsible for myself. I don't have to figure anything out myself because with the steps, I, I've developed a relationship with, with God that um, I now turn my focus first. The first thing I do in the morning is turn my, get my connection very strong with God. I clear out all the stuff that's in the way of that. So with that, I read three meditation books and I do some meditation I do some writing. I write a Dear God letter, and I say, God, thank you for this day. Um, help me today. Number one, I always say, help keep me safe today. And that's a big, safe is a big picture. We're talking safe up here, safe in the world. Um, it's the big picture of safe, if you can, if you can get what I'm saying. Um, so whatever happens in the day, I've got a connection with God, and God's right here. So as, as I grow in the program and as I get more comfortable with myself and my body um, and the other things that happen with losing that much weight and being a person that I have a, I have a great job, I live by myself now, and I go to a lot of meetings in the San Fernando Valley. I go speak when asked generally, um, and I sponsor a lot of women. And a nice young man. Um, and, you know, I get to pass this along. But if you, if you can... Look at this shirt. Can you see it's a white shirt? Did not happen. I wore this shirt on purpose, and I bought this shirt last year on my birthday with my sponsor. My sponsor is the most gorgeous, beautiful, petite, 
fashionable woman that you ever want to see in my eyes. She re- she's so cool. And we went, uh, we were going to hang out on my birthday, and she said, we couldn't decide what to do. What do you want? I don't know. Let's go to Target. We went to Target, okay? <laughs> we, had, we literally had a blast. I picked out some clothes. Um, I picked out this shirt. Um, being 280 pounds, I never wore a white shirt. I have like five of them now. I love them. And she said, Which, I want to buy you one of these shirts. Which one feel, makes you feel the best? This is the one. Because it's a light color. Um, to me, it's happy. It's nice. It's got a nice pattern. And it fits smoothly. It fits nicely. Um, how, much, how much time do I have, sir? Cool. Okay. Because there's another, there's another thing I want to tell you about that's really important, too, especially to people who have lost a lot of weight. And it's something I've come upon in the last, maybe just the last year. I've been able to get a lot more comfortable with it. But um, so to finish up the story, you know, I've, I've been abstaining for this amount of time. And I help other people. And I know that when I sponsor other people, I know that everybody's different. And I know that everybody needs a food plan. And I know that everybody, all these women have different issues. So I've had to kind of opened up my world to sponsor other people with different, different things. Um, hundred pounders, other, you know, I've just had to open it up. I know how I did it. And I did it. I, my abstinence is very black and white. My food plan is... Um, there's a lot of foods on it, but it's very much the same. It's the same categories every day. When I, when I was getting down to a healthy weight, I kept losing for whatever reason. Remember, I never been at a healthy weight, so my body kept losing, and, we, and I had to. I changed sponsors at that time, thank God, to someone who kind of knew what to do. Um, I had to change over to counting calories so I could kind of level it off because I got down to 129 pounds without, I wasn't trying to do that. It just happened. And I'm like, I don't feel good anymore. You know, it, it didn't work for me. Um, my chest was sunken in and I thought this is, it just made me feel all the more uncomfortable. So, um, always with the help of a sponsor, I get to be at a weight that I'm really comfortable. I'm really comfortable at this weight right now. For whatever reason, this is it. And this is where I stay. And I and I'm you know I report my food the night before to my sponsor. I commit everything, and um, very little changes. I I I don't. I just keep with the same thing, um, and I know that my sponsor really doesn't read or doesn't care about what I eat. It, up here, I commit it and I stick to it, and that's what my sponsees do. So anyway, the last thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was something that, I guess, with um, feeling, you know, so 11 and a half years in, this is what <laughs> has come up for me, um, feeling still very uncomfortable with, certain, like I have to dress a certain way to make myself feel comfortable. Clothes, I have extra, a lot of extra stuff hanging around, um, wreckage from the past, and, you know, things that happen when I'm now half of the person I used to be. So I kept feeling uncomfortable. I didn't quite know what to do. 
And always when I speak, especially at the, there's two, there's two meetings, there's a meeting in the Valley that's called um, Kitchen Sink, and it's a speaker meeting with questions. Every time I get the question, you don't look like you've lost 140 pounds. How aren't things, how do you not look like that? I said, I keep it covered up. That was my first solution. You don't see, I don't have these things, I know. Okay, I keep, I have a shirt that's down here, and I'm comfortable with that. Um, the other thing that I've learned is that I, and, and again, I was starting, I was feeling uncomfortable with how I, how my clothes fit. And I, I'm, again, not a fashion plate. This is, this is dressed up for me. This is how I, I feel really good. I'm not a, I'm not a feminine dresser. So what I've started to do is I wear like an undershirt thing and I put it on and I tuck it down, okay? If, you could, if I could portray to you what that does to my head, it's like magic, okay? Because as I'm walking around and things aren't, aren't fitting right, like my pants, if I'm going to wear clothes that fit, they don't look good and I don't feel good without, this, without something holding me all together, and that has helped so much in the last year to help me. F- I don't feel that fat anymore. Like, I was still feeling fat. I was still feeling like I weighed 280 pounds because I couldn't get my clothes to fit right. It just felt bad. And when I feel bad like that physically, you know, it was getting in the way of my serenity. So I asked my sponsor for help, and I asked other people, which I always do in my program for help, and we got a solution that's very simple. That's a very simple solution to feeling, to not having that take over my mind. So now I'm free to, you know, stay connected with God, pass this program along to whoever would like it. See, this is the part, this is the growth in the program. That's the gift of the program. So um, Nancy asked me to talk about a new freedom and a new happiness. It's not that that, it's not that, that makes me happy. But that, that helps, that's one little part of the freedom of the, the food obsession in my head, I'm free. And walking around in the world, I'm free. Dress, knowing that I look okay, I never looked okay. Knowing that I look okay makes me free. And in the whole big picture with the program that I work, it's not that happiness is my goal, but peace is my goal. And I'm peaceful today for the most part with a lot of help and a daily connection. I'm peaceful today. And I have this program to thank for that. And it helps me live a life that is not fancy, but it's just great for me. It's just mine. So um, I really appreciate you listening, and thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you, Holly. So uh, I will now draw questions from the Ask It Basket for our panelists. Um, Again, this workshop is on body perception one day at a time. And this first question is open-ended. What about dating and poor body image? (laughs) Beth, compulsive overeater, anorexic. That is a very wonderful question. Um, When I let the disease determined my dating decisions, 
then it becomes very important what I look like, what the other person will think. Will they think I'm sexy? Will they want to touch me? All those different things. When I turn it over, my higher power helps me put my focus on different things. Can I show up and be of sane and happy usefulness? Is this a person that so far is taking actions to show that they are a healthy, available, respectful person? And um, also to remember that it's not my business what the other people will think of me. It's my business to show up, um, take higher power with me, and uh, take the emphasis off of appearance. It's not ever my actual problem. Great question. Okay, so what about dating with poor body image? Well, <laughs> just don't date. <laughs> no, no, no. So here's what God's really helped me with is what about dating with a poor body image? You know, look, after 50, everyone has a poor body image. The guys aren't thinking, the guys are just so happy to be with you. That's my experience. Really, truly, truly. I mean, one thing I love about the men I know is they're kind of easily pleased. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take a lot for them to be happy to be with a girl, female. But the most important thing is this, that really, really got when I was, remember when I told you then I had men saying, I like you, but you're too fat. And then I had that guy say, I like you, but you're too thin. And I said, that's it. I'm so done with all of them, right? I'm going to run around gaining and losing based on you and you and you and you and you and you and you. And do I get a vote in this? So that was my secret. That was my freedom, which was, oh, the acceptance of this was poor body image. We'll work on, forget about getting acceptance from. And you get to decide, you, God, sponsor, whatever, which is I'm going to stay abstinent. The right body will show up. And if that's appealing, cool. If it's not, they, they, they're not for me. You know, I have certain things. I don't like skinny men. I never have. I just, because, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to crush them, frankly. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to, oh, my God, you know. If, um, so I have a preference, and I like big. I, I like, you know, big body pillows and stuff. But... Um, so don't let others define your value and your body size and shape. Our next question is also open-ended for any of the panelists. Um, how did it, how did you make yourself feel comfortable in a thinner body? Do you have daily practices to love what you see in the mirror? If so, what are they? Beth, compulsive overeater, anorexic. Um, when I had to buy a smaller size pants, it was one of the most stressful moments of my entire life. It so freaked me out. I cried in the dressing room like someone had died, and I almost hyperventilated. It was very, very, very extremely difficult and uncomfortable. And um, I really like that saying that the same type of thinking that got me into the disease is not going to get me out of it. I couldn't think my way out of feeling like it was okay to be in a smaller body. I felt like um, 
I felt really unsafe all of a sudden. I felt like I was going to get more attention, which I already didn't like feeling noticed and getting people's comments. And, ooh, I'm still doing 10 steps on that. Um, But definitely some of the affirmations helped. The mirror stuff, like I said, that was really too high voltage for me. It was too directly intense. So I had to kind of go through my higher power and pray to be able to see myself as my higher power sees me. And that helped me kind of gently ease into feeling like it was okay. Um, I also felt like I was betraying my family because everyone in my family is a compulsive overeater and is really big. And it scared me a lot that I wasn't going to fit with my original tribe anymore. So, um, yeah, that was super difficult. And now in program, um, I can use my words as they say, and, um, ask my family if, kind of like to try to clear the air with them when I start to feel like I'm not fitting, they might not accept me as much. And it's 99.9% of the time, just the um, disease fear talking. Also for any of our panelists, what did you do when you got thinner? Did you have worries and fears about gaining it back? Um, I didn't quite believe that this all happened like this. I I really didn't because I had no... When I walked in, I didn't realize that I could be in a healthy body weight. I really did not think I could ever be at a healthy body weight. I had to resign myself to the fact that I was going to be basically 280 pounds. So I didn't have... You know, but I think... What helped me the most not to think I'm, I have a very strong fear of breaking my ab- not breaking my abstinence but gaining the weight back. I have a very strong uh, practice every morning to ensure that I have that I stay with that I stay abstinent and I stay connected with God by working the steps over and over. That fear's gone away. So it, the, I think the key is doing the work. And then the fear, the fear doesn't come up like that. Like, I'm not white-knuckling anything. The food obsession is at a, at, I take really good care of myself is, so that doesn't happen. So that's the important part of the steps. Thanks. Um, Beth, again, I'll just, I'll say a little more about that one, too, because I, had that fear a lot. And my first sponsor was super helpful about it. Um, I, when I first became abstinent, I definitely did worry that I was going to relapse and I would have nightmares about binging every single night and wake up and feel like I had done it. And, um, my, my first sponsor said, you know, My relapses never went from me being abstinent and strong in my recovery to having a dozen donuts. And she really pointed out to me that usually the disease manifests more slowly. That pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization is the disease is like right here trying to sneak up on me constantly. 
Um, so that helped me go, oh, right. It's not like the donuts are going to attack me. Like I can always pick up program tools and not take that first compulsive bite. Um, so another question, um, if the weight loss or gain is none of my business, then what do I do about weighing myself? Do I weigh, what do I use the information for? Um, I experimented with that a lot. Trust me, if I could weigh myself every time I had a meal or snack, I would. But it's just not, for me, that's not helpful information. However, um, I can't also just turn a blind eye to it. I think it's that pamphlet before you take that first compulsive bite that talks about um, that we compulsive overeaters tend to go both ways. Either we weigh a lot, a lot, a lot, or we never do it and then that's off in the other direction and we can go back into our denial. So I have medical professionals blind weigh me and it's shocking to me how many of them don't know what that means. And it's shocking to me how many of them haven't taken it seriously and have still um, just, oops, I forgot and have shown me the weight and then I have to really amp up my program. So I try to forget the number. Um, so the information is mainly I want to know that my body is in a healthy range for this height and all that stuff. And um, also that's, that's part of being of sane and happy usefulness too is if, when that, if I'm within a certain range, I'm, um, I'm probably going to be more healthy and not always, definitely, but um, I'm more likely to be of sane and happy usefulness and to be able to carry the message. And um, my higher power is saying, one more thing, one more thing. But I can't get it right now, so I'll tell you later if I remember. Okay, our next question is for all three panelists. Where does God or higher power and healthy physical body image meet for you? Well, it goes back to me being wanting to be a spinner, the little tiny feminine thing. If I'm made in God's image, what does that look like? I saw a little Finding Nemo, and when the Nemo and the, the little fish hugged, they looked just like each other. I thought, wow, what if I, when I looked at God, God looks like me? That would be a trip. But here's what, when I, so when I came home and like, oh, I'm never going to be a spinner. I'm never going to be. And honest to God, I asked God about it. And here's what came to my head, which was, you look exactly the way I need you to look for the work I'm giving you to do. Done. And now the thing about big feet, they're really good for dancing and hiking. Serious. You know, a lot of people don't have size 11. I can get some pretty cool-looking stuff and share them with others that have size 11. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. I'm grateful. So when that happens in your head, this is how God and body image and all this stuff is freeing and comforting for me. Is Look in the mirror. I do this. I had to do this every day and say, you know, I look exact, you look exactly the way God needs you to look for the work he's giving you to do. Could you imagine if we all looked the same? Don't you remember that old Twilight Zone where they walked in, uh, something number 13, 13, 
And Susie Parker, the model of the day, for those older than 50, we all walked in looking like us, and we all walked out looking like her. All of us looked like her. What if, what if all the fields were the same color? No. No, God has you looking like you do for a reason. And so I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm okay with that. That's kind of cool. So, again, stay abstinent. The right body will show up. Uh, Beth or Holly, where do God and healthy physical body image meet for you? Beth. Um, well, I work with a lot of different concepts of higher power. I really feel like one of the things that has most helped me keep coming back in this program is that we get to define the higher power of our understanding. So um, currently, a concept of higher power that I work with is if you take this split second and take everything in the entire world and combine it together, that's God. And no piece can be left out. There's no person that's forgotten. There's no person that's so flawed that they're not a part of God. And there's also no one person who's so good that they can hold more than their share of the God part. Um, so I do see my body, however it is at the time, when I'm most spiritually connected, that's how this part of God is expressing itself in that moment. Um, it definitely takes higher power for me to not get back into the self-criticism and the perfectionism and the being very conditionally accepting of this creature. Um, but luckily, higher power is always available. There's never an exception to that. I just have to be willing to be willing to reach out to it. Um, definitely, uh, there's a, there's a nice, um, spiritual story of, um, if we have a problem, it's like one arrow in our heart. And then if we're judging the problem and if we're thinking, I, you know, so for example, if I have a thought that I'm too fat to be standing here, that's one arrow in my heart. Then my disease will come along and say, oh, well, that's not very spiritual. Why are you judging yourself? Why are you so vain? You know, it's like a, I never win with the disease voice. But then that's a second arrow that comes along. So even this morning, I was realizing I was judging myself for being nervous about you guys looking at me. So I got to see that, okay, two arrows, ouch. I need to turn them both over to higher power. And like I said before, if I'm thinking that my weight is the problem, that just tells me I have another problem. Like I'm so grateful that in program, I never buy that story for very long. I, I don't actually believe that it ever is inherently the, the truth of the problem. Hi, I'm Holly. Um, what came to my mind is like how God comes together with this is that step two says, what does sanity look like for me? I think what sanity looks like for me and what God wants for me is to be, um, number one, peaceful, of course, and number two, healthy. And 
you know, I walked into this program not knowing what I wanted or what I needed, but being in a healthy weight has helped tremendously. And then step three, I ask every morning that I turn my will and my life over to the God of my understanding and God of my understanding back to what does sanity look like? So, you know, using the steps and always, always every morning saying the third step prayer, God wants me to be healthy and happy. And so I get to be abstinent today. And that's how I stay at a healthy body weight. Okay, and, and that uh, ties into the last question for today. How do you work the steps around body image? Good, 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 important question. I start out with by saying, you know what, God, I'm powerless over my obsession with body image. And, and my life is unmanageable, step one. Completely admit I can't cure myself of it. And two, I ask to be restored to sanity. Three, here we go, and I start writing. I just start writing. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what it means to me. Blah, 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 blah. Show me your sane and sound ideal. What would it be like if I were to have your sane and sound ideal about body image? And then things just start coming. And then I get to ask other people, well, what do you think about this? What have you been healed with? Because remember, body image issues are the number one reason for relapse. Number one reason for relapse. You must get it healed or you will not stay abstinent. Not for very long. Beth, again, um, I remembered the one other thing. (laughs) Um, God standing for good orderly direction. If I'm obsessing about my body size, thinking it should be different, fretting about, oh, I shouldn't have done such and such yesterday. I shouldn't have eaten that extra whatever. Constantly good orderly direction. I can find that in any given moment. What can I do right now? And I'm recovering from compulsive over-exercising also. So good orderly direction does not mean put on the tennis shoes and go run until my knees feel like they're going to fall off again because I tried that solution before. That's not good orderly direction. Good orderly direction is probably like drink a glass of water. You know, you're feeling weird about your body because something is off. Are you hydrated? Oh, probably not. Um, So that helps me a lot. And a really neat thing is uh, right before Eddie read the question, I was thinking, oh, we haven't talked about the steps that much. And then that was the question. That's so, that's so higher power. Um, I really like, I like taking a step zero inventory when something really has me in its grasp. What's the step zero? Just inventory it. I think that I should weigh X amount of pounds less. I think that I should be like this. I, you know, whatever illusion is going on in that moment. And then step one, get in touch with what do I know? Like what's the actual truth of what I'm powerless over? Oh, I can't think my way into my body being a different shape. Oh, I actually, um, my nutritionist told me that I can't do spot exercises like crunches for fat reduction. That's insane. I'm powerless over that type of thinking. Um, And then step two, I think of that as the act as if step. Like, 
it could restore me to sanity <laughs> if something else was going to happen. So, um, you know, tr- I try to get into that space of what would it take for me to be in the place where I would let higher power act on me about this, even if I don't know if it's going to be relieved or if it's going to help or any of that stuff. No guarantee. Um, but then I get into step three and yeah, I remember higher power has a kick-ass track record so much better than mine. What can I do to get in action? And so often it is get out of here, call a newcomer, text someone to just say, Hey, how's it going? Cause that's, that's how I actually want to connect. I don't want to connect with this stuff, that's just a symptom that I'm probably feeling disconnected somehow. Okay, and that was our times. Uh, it is now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. Please stand and join hands as we close with the serenity prayer. Also, um, it is Holly's natural birthday, so I thought I should mention that.